Are you ready to take full control of your physical, emotional, and spiritual health? Are you ready to experience great success in your life? Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. will teach you the tools and strategies to help you take control of your health and inspire you to live your best life. Now here is your host, Dr. Diane A. Thompson, M.D. Happy Sunday and Happy New Year to all my listeners and welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. It is Sunday, January 13, 2013. And I am your host, Dr. Diane A. Thompson, M.D. As always, it is my pleasure spending 30 minutes with you on a Sunday with the hope that maybe you will learn at least one new piece of information that could help you towards a healthier lifestyle. On today's show, we will be talking with board-certified family medicine physician, uh, Dr. Cottle and The goal is to share some important health information to get you on the right track. You know, one of my mantra is that your health is your wealth, and I want to keep you both healthy and wealthy this year. We'll also hear from a skincare expert who will teach you about the ingredients in your kitchen that can help you achieve a youthful complexion. So you want to hear that. As a disclaimer, I want to remind you that This broadcast is intended for educational purpose only, and no part of this broadcast should be used for diagnosis or treatment. You should consult with your healthcare provider before making any changes to your health. I also want to share the call-in number with our listeners. It is 626-414-3417. That's 626-414-3417. It is the start of a new year, and Many of you have made your New Year's resolutions, and unfortunately, many of you won't keep them because that's what happens every year. So I want to share with you some tips that I've found that worked for me. Last year was a really good year, and I've taken that momentum into this year. So I want to share some tips with you to help you keep those New Year's resolutions strong. And one of the tips is a very simple one. Write Write your goals down. This is so simple but so powerful. There is definitely something powerful about writing your goals down. It forces you to state what you want. It brings some focus and some clarity, and you can track your progress and celebrate those progress. So make sure you write your goals down. Another simple tip is to be realistic and attainable and set attainable goals. And what I mean by that is, you know, one of the – ways to set yourself up for failure is to set goals that are just so unrealistic. You want to set goals that stretch you, but you want them to be attainable. So if you're someone who never worked out, it may not be a great idea to set a goal of working out two hours a day, seven days a week, and you know you've never done it before. There's a good chance you're setting yourself up for failure. A third tip And this one is also a good one. You want to share your goals with someone, someone you respect and you know they care about you, what I call an accountability buddy. You see, goals that are made in secret, a lot of times those goals will fail because no one knows what you promised yourself and there's no one to keep you accountable. So if no one knows and you don't do them, then you won't feel any kind of incentive to go after those goals. So share them with an accountability buddy, someone who will check in on you. 
you also want to keep it simple and make it easy on yourself. You know, a lot of times we set goals and we set ourselves up for failure. If you want to save an extra $100 a week, for example, you know, one of the easiest things you can do is have it automatically taken out of your paycheck. If you leave it up to you to figure out how to pay all your bills and then figure out how to come up with that extra $100, it's more difficult. So just make it easy on yourself. If you want to avoid certain types of food, don't buy them to begin with. Don't bring them in the house and then beat yourself up because you didn't have the willpower to avoid them. So keep it simple and make it easy on yourself. And finally, keep trying. Keep trying. Many times you're not going to get it right the first time. You're going to fall off course. I heard someone say that uh, when, airplane, when an airplane sets out, it, it goes off course about 80% of the time, but generally it ends up in the, the correct destination, and that's what you have to think about for yourselves. Sometimes you are going to fall off course. You are going to end up with some detours, and it's okay. If you fall off the wagon, just get back up and keep it moving. So I hope those tips will help you to keep your goals for this year because I want you to succeed this year. I also want you to succeed with your health goals. And my guest tonight will help you do just that. Dr. Jennifer Cottle is a board-certified family medicine physician who is currently an assistant professor in the Department of Family Medicine at the University of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey. Prior to this, she was a faculty member in the Johns Hopkins University Sinai Hospital Residency Program, and she was an instructor of internal medicine at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. She has served as an on-air expert to local and national news networks, as well as national magazines and publications. She conducts workshops in health and wellness, as well as a workshop in bullying. And a fun fact is that she's a former Miss Iowa, and this is proof that uh, brain and beauty can exist together, and they do quite well. They're not mutually exclusive. Dr. Caudill, welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane, MD. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. Well, you know, we're going to jump right in. Um, we want to talk about a lot of the things to get our listeners on the right track towards a healthier lifestyle. And, of course, I can't uh, help but talk about something that's been in the news lately, and that is of this influenza outbreak. And it's everywhere. We know that the emergency departments have been flooded with patients. We've actually heard of several deaths in the nation because of uh, the influenza. So let's talk a little bit about that first. So one of the things that a lot of patients often ask is, how do I tell if this is just a cold or this is actually the flu? That's a great question. Um, this really is a time of year for patients to really know their body and to understand what's going on in the greater world. And you're absolutely right. Uh, right now, we're in the midst of a flu epidemic, which is a big deal. Um, a couple of states have declared public health emergencies because of all the cases of the flu that have been happening. Um, as of last week, the CDC reported that at least 41 states had very widespread flu activity. Uh, and even myself, being a family physician, I have to say the last couple of weeks, 
uh, probably the majority of the patients I've seen in the office have had cold or flu-like symptoms. So this is really something for folks to be on the lookout for. You asked about symptoms. You know, how do we know if it's a, just a cold or if it's a flu? Uh, typically, we think of flu-like symptoms as being a little bit more severe than, say, common cold symptoms. Uh, so with the flu, you might have fever. Uh, it can last for a couple of days. You often may feel uh, severe muscle aches and pains. You feel achy. You feel fatigued. You feel like you've been maybe hit by a bus is what I've had some patients tell me because of all the achiness. Uh, some patients also have nasal congestion, which can also exist with a cold, um, as well as um, uh, cough and other things like that. But I would say some of the hallmarks that tend to distinguish the flu versus the cold is, number one, the symptoms are just worse. Flu-like symptoms can last at least seven, sometimes even seven days or longer, um, and the fever and the body aches really are, are more hallmark for the flu. Mm, okay. Now, here's another thing I've heard, you know, the, the, the vaccine that they have currently, they're saying it's only about 62% effective against the current virus. And so I've heard patients say, well, maybe I shouldn't get the vaccine in light of this. So what do you say to your patients? Sure. Well, you know, the flu vaccine is probably one of the best ways that people can pr protect themselves. Quite honestly, the flu vaccine, yes, the CDC does report about 60-ish percent effectiveness, um, but remember, that means that you have much more of a likelihood of not getting the flu by getting the vaccine than not getting it at all. Um, so, yes, it's only 60 percent. It does confer some protection. It's very important, and again, it's, it's the most powerful tool that we have. So I do encourage patients and people to get the flu vaccine. Um, it does work. It can work, um, and, and it's something very important to do. And I, I really hope that the listeners paid attention to that because I have a few uh, listeners that listen in every week, and, and this is something that they struggle with. They won't get the vaccine, and, you know, they usually tell me, oh, it doesn't work anyway. So uh, that was a really good explanation. Um, one of the things is uh, let's talk a little bit about who should get it and who shouldn't get it. I mean, are there people sure. that really should not get the flu vaccine? Um, yes, there are. You know what, we'll start with the people that should get it. Um, interestingly enough, most people qualify for the flu shot. And remember, there's different types of flu vaccines. There's the flu shot, uh, which is an injection, and that is made up of a killed virus. Um, there's also a nasal spray, and that's made up of live virus. Uh, there's also a couple of other forms as well. So the flu vaccine comes in a couple of different forms, but, but I'm talking specifically about the flu shot or the injection. Um, and the flu shot really is indicated for people above the age of six months, okay, so six months and older. Um, people who should get the flu shot are people who have chronic medical conditions. Let's say someone has asthma or diabetes or severe uh, emphysema or lung problems or heart problems. Uh, those patients tend to be at higher risk uh, or may have more problems if they get the flu. So we definitely want those patients to become vaccinated. Uh, other people that should get the flu shot are pregnant women. It's so, so important, especially carrying a child for the mother to stay healthy. People over the age of 65, uh, health care workers, those such as yourself, Dr. Diane, myself, and other people who work with people. Um, and, and along those lines, people who care for others. So if you're caring for elderly folks, maybe a parent or an uncle or an aunt, uh, that's really, really important. So those are the people who should get vaccinated. 
there are some people who should not get vaccinated. Uh, those would be people who have had uh, who have had a severe uh, reaction to vaccines in the past. You know, if you've had problems with vaccines, you really should be wary and talk to your doctor before getting this. Uh, also, if you have an allergy to eggs, um, the medium of the vaccine is is made of um, has sort of an egg base, um, and so if you have an allergy to eggs, you should be very wary and speak to your doctor. And also, people with certain neurological conditions. Uh, so, if you have questions about whether you qualify or don't qualify, the, the best person you can talk to is your doctor um, to sort of guide you through these nuances. But suffice it to say, for many people, the flu shot is an appropriate um, form of vaccination. I agree, and I have actually gotten my vaccine this season. I, I wanted to go back to something you said. You mentioned that you can get the, the the nasal or the shot itself, and the shot is the killed and nasal is the live. Uh, is yeah. there usually a reason to give one over the other, or is it just what's available? You know, sometimes there is a reason, and sometimes it's patient preference. So with a killed vaccine, um, and, and this hopefully, Dr. Diana, is something we'll talk about. You know, I have a lot of patients that ask me or they say to me, you know, I don't want to get the flu shot because last time I got the flu shot, I got sicker than I, I ever was in my entire life. <laughs> right. yeah, I've gotten right. that all the time, absolutely. Yes. Yes, it's probably the number one reason I get from my patients as to why they do not want me to vaccinate them in the office. And if it's okay with you, I'd like to just talk about that Please first. Do. We'll go Please into the kill them the last. So I, I want to sort of shout from the mountaintops here. Um, the flu shot, uh, the injection, does not give you the flu. It's a killed virus, so the virus is not alive, so it's not able to transmit infections. So, so some of my patients say, then, well, well, then why did I get so sick the last time I got the flu shot? You know, you might be saying that, Dr. Cradle, but I know what my body, and I know I was sick. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're very adamant about that. <laughs> oh, yes, very, very adamant, and, and I understand it. Um, but here are the reasons why people can sometimes still get sick around the time they get the flu vaccine. It's not from the vaccination, but it's from one of the following. So first of all, remember that it takes about two weeks for that flu shot to build up immunity in your body. So if I get my flu shot today, theoretically, I'm probably not protected for another two weeks from the flu. So that's a whole two-week span that if you get exposed, yes, you could get sick. And it's not because the vaccine gave it to you. It's because you weren't fully protected because it takes a couple of weeks, okay? Um, another reason why people might get sick is coincidental exposure. You know, a virus takes one, two to four or so days to incubate in the body. Let's say you get the flu shot today and tomorrow you come down with an illness. Well, actually, it took two to four days for that virus to work in your body to make you sick. You got the virus long before you actually got the shot. So once again, they're not related. Um, and thirdly, remember that the flu virus is not the only virus that's going around. There's lots of other viruses that will make you feel like you have the flu. It may not be the influenza virus. So that's another thing that's important to keep in mind. Um, you know, in the CDC and the FDA and the World Health Organization go every year to put together the flu shot, they actually pick the three most common strains of influenza that they think are going to be happening that year. So even though you may get the shot, if you pick up a strain of the flu that's not covered in the vaccine, you could still get the flu. But once again, it's not because of the shot. So folks, please go out, talk to your doctor about if the flu shot is right for you, and, and get vaccinated. It's one of the most important things we can do. I'm really so happy you explained it that way because, as you said, there's so many people who refuse to get it because they, they've all, always said to me, oh, I got the flu. I got the vaccine and it gave me the flu. So, <laughs> right, so right. they don't want to get it. 
So I'm glad you explained that. So let me let's just give some tips though on ways that people can avoid getting the flu. We we talked about the vaccine, yes. but what are some of the ways they can keep themselves healthy? Um, sure. Well, well, first of all, uh, let me say this: that if you are sick, if you are at home right now listening to the radio show and you're sick in bed because you got the flu or some other upper respiratory illness, you know, please stay home. It's Can you say important. that one more time, please? Say it yes. again. <laughs> do, you to, do you want me to say it louder by chance? Uh-huh. <laughs> please stay home. Do not try to stick it out at work with a fever while you're sniffling and stuffy and coughing because that's how the virus is spread. The influenza virus is a respiratory virus, which means we transmit it through our upper respiratory secretions. That means coughing or sneezing. The particles from our, our uh, nasal passages spread into the air, and they can land on something or someone and, and, and confer illness that way. So the best thing you can do, first of all, if you're sick, stay home until you're better, okay, uh, or until your doctor tells you you can go back to work. Uh, the other ways to protect yourself, washing your hands. Hand washing is um, probably one of the most simplistic sounding things that we can do, but in terms of the effectiveness, it is just through the roof. And every day, I have to be honest with you, every single day, it seems like when I'm out in public or maybe I'm at the mall or I was actually in an airport this afternoon, I was traveling, I went to the ladies' room and I actually saw someone who went to the ladies' room and did not wash her hands and walked right on out the door. Uh, and I've so seen it many it times, may... and unfortunately, I can't restrain myself. I usually say something. <laughs> I, I understand that feeling. You know, it, it it kind of compels me too, Dr. Diana. It's almost like a public health no-no. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the best things we can do is to uh, please wash your hands. This is not just for the bathroom time, uh, but it's before and after cooking meals. It's if you are handling a sick child or a sick loved one or you're sick yourself, wash your hands. Uh, but the other tip that I want to tell folks about is how to properly sneeze or cough. There is an etiquette or rather a hygienic, more hygienic way to do this. And rather than saying a big achoo and, and sneezing right into your hands or coughing into your hands, which once again just puts the particles on your hands so that when you go and touch a doorknob or you hug your child, it just gets onto them. A better way to do it is to take your elbow, bring your arm around, and actually cough or sneeze into your elbow, okay? So chances are you're wearing a shirt or a sweater. That way the respiratory particles are not on your hands so that you can just spread them all over everywhere, okay? So those are a couple quick quick tips that, that really can help keep you healthy this winter season. That's wonderful. Now, let's say uh, someone has the flu, they're home taking care of themselves, and uh, they're doing okay. At what point do you say, you know what, you need to call your doctor or go to the emergency room? What symptoms would make you become concerned that maybe this person ought not to be doing this by themselves anymore? Absolutely. First of all, um, one thing I like to talk to my patients about is their bodies. So I have some patients that have major medical conditions. They might have a heart that uh, is not as strong as it used to be. They might have lung conditions. For my what I call high-risk patients, those with severe heart problems, lung problems, maybe they have a, 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 um, a decreased immune system, uh, those are patients, if you know that's you, you should always be on alert for any illness. 
okay? If you know your body may not be able to stand up to the challenge, you've experienced this before, your doctor's talked about it with you, you should be probably on the phone with your doctor a lot sooner than maybe someone else who's healthy with no medical problems, those who are immunocompromised, the really, really young children. We're talking infants, really small children, um, uh, certainly uh, elderly folks, people with medical conditions. You should really have a higher index of suspicion, okay? And I would rather my patients err on the side of caution than wait it out and, uh, you know, maybe they shouldn't have. So that's the first thing. But let's say that you are, um, a, 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 say, maybe a young adult, not many medical conditions, you're nice and healthy. Um, and this would be really for anyone, not just that person. If you have a fever that lasts for more than a few days, that makes me worried. Okay, that makes me starting to wonder, why is there fever still here? Why is it persisting? Is there something else going on besides just the flu? Um, I would say that if there are other major problems, if your heart rate goes too high, your blood pressure starts going low, you get dizzy or lightheaded, um, maybe if there's vomiting and it's intractable, meaning it's not going away, those are definitely times to see your doctor. Um, anytime there's any what we call mental status changes, if you're taking care of a loved one who's sick and you feel that they're just not thinking the way they normally do, they might seem confused, they might seem disoriented, that's also a problem as well, okay? For young children, uh, for babies and, and, and young youngsters especially, if they're not taking in food, they seem listless, these are problems too. So I often tell my patients, and this is sort of a guide, you know, if you're worried, then chances are I'm going to be worried. Um, and that's when you absolutely should pick up the phone and call me or call your doctor. Wonderful. Now, I just saw an email question that is going to take us back to the flu vaccine. I think it is a relevant question, so I'm going to, I'm going to ask it. Sure. Uh, the question is, if this person has the flu, um, at what point can they get the vaccine? So the, they're wondering, can they get the vaccine even though they've had the flu already or is it a done deal? And can you basically get the vaccine while you're ill or should you wait for a certain period of time after being sick to get it? Those are wonderful questions. Those are those are great questions. First of all, let's say, um, actually, I've had the flu this season, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, I had the flu earlier in the season. Um, and then I actually went ahead and got my flu shot because I was, you know, traveling and this and that. But I got the flu shot after I'd had the flu because, remember, um, we're not always sure which strains of the flu were infected by. So even if you've gotten the flu, first of all, it's not to say that you can't get it again because you can always get sick again. The second thing is uh, the flu shot will still give you protection against the three most common strains that are existing this wintertime. So, yes, it will still give you protection. You still want to get the flu shot. And remember that even though we're now in January, okay, so it's not August or September, people might say, oh, well, you know, we're already in January. What's the use? Well, there's a lot of use to still getting it even at this point in the winter. The flu season technically goes from October to May, and this year we've seen a surge of cases that have happened very early. Uh, so there is still a lot of time left. We don't know really what's going to happen with the flu epidemic, if it's going to get worse, level off, or get better. But go out and get your flu shot. And, yes, if you've had the flu, you can still go ahead and get that flu shot because it will still protect you against possible further um, exposure. The second part of that question, which is a great one, is, well, you know, look, um, if you're sick, can you get the flu shot? And actually, you are allowed to get the flu shot with minor upper respiratory illness. If you have a fever, however, it's best for us to, to hold off giving you the flu shot. So those are some guidelines to, to keep in mind. Wonderful. And can a person get the flu shot along with that pneumococcal vaccine? 
Yes, absolutely. So you can get the flu shot, you can get the pneumococcal vaccine, and when you decide to do these, is is not only a, a personal decision, a decision you might make with your doctor, but yes, you can get them together. Wonderful. So I had so many other questions for you, but the flu has taken up so much, and I think it's so important, and we really needed to to talk about it. So we'll be able to ask a lot of the other questions, but I wanted to get your sense of, you know, a lot of people, they, they start out with a goal of being healthy and they fall short. Is there any suggestion that you would make to help them kind of approach this year a little differently so they can have a healthier year? Yeah, you know, I do. And I really, Dr. Diane, I loved your suggestions that you gave at the beginning. I, I, First of all, I agree with so many things of what you said about writing down your goals, about having reasonable sort of expectations about your goals. Um, And one of the things I'd like to add to that would be I personally find it helpful when I um, take baby steps. So let's say um, let's say I'm a patient and I want to start going to the gym. And, and as you mentioned in your example, let's say I've never really gone to the gym before. Well, I'm probably not the person to start going for an hour every day. But maybe I can make sort of a stepwise goal saying, okay, I'm going to start out by doing 20 minutes twice a week, and this is what I'm going to do. Um, this is how I'm going to arrange it. I'm going to make sure that I have childcare set up or I'm going to make sure I'm home from work this time. Or, you know what, maybe I'll ask the girls at work during lunch to walk around uh, the office complex. I think a lot of times it's easy for us to fall into a rut and not accomplish our goals. We don't have stepwise specific details of actually how we're going to accomplish it. So set out not only what your goal is, but how you're going to get there. You know, if it's about getting to the doctor, first thing you need to start out by doing is actually making that appointment. So start out stepwise. And I really believe that by doing that, and as you said, writing down your goals uh, and thinking through, and and also, you know, have a positive attitude. Um, It's a blessing to be alive. I I truly believe um, 2013 is going to be a fabulous year. Um, Be optimistic about yourself, about your family, about your health. Um, And, you know, and with that, you know, go out into the world and, and do your thing, but set small goals, and I know that it can happen. Wow, this is uh, really wonderful and powerful information. Uh, Dr. Jennifer Cottle, I really thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Well, you have a good evening. And for our listeners, if you want to learn more about Dr. Jennifer Cottle, please visit her website at jennifercottle.com. That's jennifercoddle.com. And you can also find her on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Dr. Jennifer Coddle. And I'll leave some of this information in terms of the contact information on my Facebook fan page. So, again, thanks to Dr. Coddle. So let's turn to our tip of the week. You're welcome. Let's turn to our tip of the week. And this tip is coming to us by way of uh, Dory Wilkins. Dory is a licensed esthetician, and that's a skincare specialist. And she's also a makeup artist with over 10 years of experience in the skincare field. And for people who know me, I do have a background in skincare, so this is near and dear to my heart. Uh, Dory, welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane MD. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing wonderful. How are you today? I'm doing great. What is your health tip for us this week? Uh, My healthy tip for the week is honey can help you achieve healthy, glowing, youthful-looking skin. One of my favorite things to use in facial treatments is raw honey. During the winter season, because the air is cold and often brutal, our skin can become very dry. 
but be, uh, but honey, because of its moisturizing qualities, helps to soften the skin. The natural sugars in honey make it a humectant, which means it attracts and retains water. It also has antiseptic properties that destroy acne-causing bacteria on the skin. Raw honey contains numerous antioxidants that can reverse damage caused by aging, pollution, and sun exposure. Two very beneficial components found in raw honey are pollen and propolis, the glue bees use to make honeycombs. Both the propolis and pollen contain large amounts of antioxidants, enzymes, and vitamins. These nutrients help to reduce lines, wrinkles, sunspots, and blemishes by promoting new tissue growth. Honey also contains alpha-hydroxy acids. These mild acids help to remove dead skin cells and stimulate circulation for a more radiant, glowing complexion. Using raw honey as a cleanser or facial mask will give skin a stimulating antioxidant treatment. If you'd like to try a moisturizing honey mask, just apply one to two teaspoons to the face and neck and wash off with warm water after about 15-30 minutes for an easy facial treatment. If you're having mild to moderate acne issues, then wet your face with water and apply a teaspoon or two of honey and allow to stay on for about 15 minutes, then remove. Honey is safe to use on all skin types. However, if you're prone to allergies, you might want to test a little bit of the honey facial treatment on the inside of your elbow before putting it on your face just to check for any adverse reactions. Honey can help you achieve healthy, glowing, youthful-looking skin. Oh, thank you so much, Dory. And I've actually tried honey before, so I know it does work. So thank you very much for being on the show. And if you want more information uh, from Dory, you can find her on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Dory Wilkins. And, again, I'll put her link on my page. Thank you, Dory. Thank you so much. All right. All right, so there you have it. You have information to help you press onwards with your goals, information to help maintain your health, and information to keep looking great. So thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've learned at least one new piece of information, and I hope to see you on the broadcast next week when we have Dr. Diana Murphy, who is an expert life designer. You don't want to miss that. Thank you so much for listening and have a great evening. You have been listening to Health Talk with Dr. Diane MD on 1570 AM WIGO. Please tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the best in inspirational health information. If you have missed any part of this broadcast, would like to find out more about Dr. Diane A. Thompson, or would like to receive her ebook on stress, please go to drdianethompson.com. That's drdianethompson.com. And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash drdianethompson. Remember, your health is your wealth, so do something healthy for yourself. Have a great evening.